This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening in to this episode of 3 and 5. This is Steve Peacher at SLC Management, and today I'm with James Lazat, Director and Analyst for us in the Structured Products area. So, James, thanks for taking a moment out of your day. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me. So today we want to talk about CMBS, which is short for Commercial Mortgage-Backed Securities, and ABS, which is short for Asset-Backed Securities, which is part of that larger structured product segment, which is a huge, it's an esoteric part, but a huge part of the fixed income markets. So let's start with ABS, very tied to the consumer. Everybody is reading about and experiencing inflation. You've got interest rates going up. You've got fiscal stimulus that's lapsing. All those things constitute headwinds from a consumer standpoint. James, what does that mean for the ABS market? Right. So when we're talking about ABS, we're talking about consumer ABS. We're talking about pools and bundles of consumer loans that are packaged and sold into these structures that also come with credit enhancement for the investors within these structures. As we're looking with an ABS, you have your benchmark unsecured consumer lending names and prime auto loan ABS names. And really in terms of credit performance, what we're seeing there is it's, it's stable. But now where we are seeing some uptick in delinquency and defaults is within subprime auto ABS, but that looks more like a credit normalization versus a true deterioration in credit. And so just to elaborate on that a bit more, credit performance was remarkably strong in 2020 and 2021. And in many instances, delinquencies and defaults were actually below pre-pandemic levels. And so I'm not sure who could have who could have predicted that in March or April of 2020, but the combination of stimulus and loan servicer accommodation in the form of forbearance or loan extensions allowed for it to happen. And so as we fast forward to today, current levels of delinquency and defaults are in some cases above those 2020 levels, but they're still below or in line with pre-pandemic performance. And as such, they're, they're not near the levels needed to break the credit enhancement in these structures. And, that, and that's the key point. So as we're looking forward, there, there are some reasons to believe that delinquencies and defaults could continue to tick higher, especially among your lower income or lower FICO borrowers who are most adversely affected by rising living costs, such as rent and gas. Subprime auto ABS the structural credit enhancement still remains well capable of protecting bond investors. You know, these structures had the experience of the great financial crisis, and they've since been structured to survive those loss experiences. And it's just, that's not something we're anticipating with, with current conditions in the labor market. In terms of the opportunity within ABS, uh, there has been a material widening within shorter duration ABS in 2022. Fundamentals have not been the driver there. Rather, it's, it's really been technically driven. Uh, that's really the root cause. The market's anticipating higher front-end rates. And so given our views on credit, uh, we are viewing this as, a, as an exciting opportunity to finally start looking at some of these names again, where up until recently, that strong performance in 20 and 21, uh, coupled with low front-end rates, really created demand that priced out the opportunity. A great example of this is just the other week, we participated in a new issue, subprime auto ABS deal, and that priced its two and a half year triple B tranche at swaps plus 160. That same issuer was pricing the triple B tranche in June of 2021 at swaps plus 85. And so assuming you're comfortable with the credit, uh, those represent attractive short duration alternatives. One of the things we've talked a lot about on these broadcasts over the last year is the impact of the pandemic on commercial real estate. Hotels, malls, offices have all had their own challenges. And of course, those are the kind of properties that are owned in many CMBS structures. And now you've got coming out of the pandemic, but now we've got inflation, we have rising rates, which is a headwind for valuations in the sector. You're now hearing people start to talk about the potential for a recession. So when you think about a commercial real estate and the CMBS market, what does that mean for the CMBS sector? And is it creating opportunities just like you're seeing in the ABS? 
That's a great question. There's a lot there. So I'll first just touch on the fundamentals that's important when then answering the second part of that question, meaning sort of the the hot topics of today and and then kind of linking that into where we're seeing opportunities. So first on commercial real estate fundamentals, fundamentals remain supportive. As a result, we've seen a continual recovery in loan delinquencies across the CMBS universe. Loan delinquencies spiked from low single digits to 10% in 2020, and they're now back below 5%. Looking a little deeper into that, that increase in loan delinquency status came almost entirely from lodging and retail assets. Lodging spiked to nearly 25% and is now currently just below 10%. And then meanwhile, retail jumped to nearly 15% and it's currently now down to uh, 7%. So both continue to have higher delinquency levels than pre-pandemic levels, but the trend remains positive. And I think that also tells you that there are still opportunities out there to be had where you might have a contrarian view on a property that hasn't completely recovered yet from the pandemic. Looking at the sectors just a little closer, retail has had a renaissance of sorts. It's been most evidenced by the, the occupancy recovery and continued leasing activity across strip centers, but also in higher quality mall properties. COVID and the acceleration of e-commerce penetration actually really it, it highlighted the importance of brick and mortar stores as an integral part of that omni-channel network. And so the store remains the most profitable sales channel. It remains the cheapest means of customer acquisition. And it's also helps to improve e-commerce gross margins by reducing logistics costs through options like buy online and pick up in store. For hotels, shifting over at the national level, the sector just recently surpassed pre-pandemic RevPAR levels. RevPAR is just revenue per available room. It's a critical metric when assessing the sector. Digging into that a little bit more, we see that that's really been driven by leisure-oriented properties and, and resorts, which have seen strong recoveries driven by ADR growth. ADR is just your average daily rate. It's what you pay for a night to stay at a location. And in certain cases, that's actually properties are seeing double-digit ADR growth versus 2019. Meanwhile, your urban, business, convention-centric hotel properties, those are still underperforming 2019 levels, and markedly so. But you are continuing to see some improvement as we get more um, return to office, return to international tourism and such. Some of the other sectors, uh, like multifamily and industrial, uh, those are two of the strongest fundamental stories in the space. Demand for both sectors was accelerated by the pandemic, and the supply remains insufficient. And then finally, just on office, office real estate is perhaps the most debated topic. But what we can say is that high quality class A office space has continued to benefit from a flight to quality, seeing fairly healthy demand. We now shift gears from that fundamental backdrop to discuss kind of the credit topics of today. You know, inflation and macro risk are focal points across credit investing, just not within securitized products. In terms of inflation, commercial real estate is generally a good asset class to be invested in during periods of inflation. And we believe that's still to be the case. The idea being that supportive fundamentals will allow for property owners to pass through operating expenses as a component of rent growth. And also depending on the property type and lease structure, higher operating expenses can also be absorbed by what's known as tenant reimbursements. On the macro front, namely the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, we are not expecting a meaningful impact on U.S. commercial real estate fundamentals. And as such, any beta widening in CMBS, that could actually create um, some attractive entry points for these assets, which are all U.S. domiciled assets secured in bankruptcy remote trusts. And so if we just put all those topics together, the fundamentals, what we just mentioned in terms of the hot topics of today, and sort of point out to where we're seeing opportunities, I think it's worth highlighting the SASB CMBS market and the proliferation of the two-year floating rate structures. That's a two-year, typically with three one-year extension options. And the story here is really twofold. There's really two tailwinds, one from fundamentals and one from the structure. 
So first on fundamentals, SASB, that stands for single asset, single borrower deal. And so as such, the collateral is typically a large trophy property or a large portfolio loan supported by an institutional sponsor. In both cases, typically talking about high quality assets and or sponsorship that are benefiting from the aforementioned fundamental tailwinds within the sector. Now, SASB CMBS in this new structure is also benefiting from its floating rate nature. They stand to benefit from the anticipated rate hikes in the face of inflation. And then within the subsector, the credits and levels are very deal specific across the range of property type exposures. And this allows for some relative value opportunities. As an example, we've seen a couple of large mall deals priced now uh, with the triple B's pricing to term so for plus mid high 300s. And these are A plus retail properties with some of the highest productivity metrics in the country. And so when you compare their level to say industrial single asset, single borrower deals of the same structure pricing around mid 200, it's a really attractive level for what we deem to be a high quality short floating rate product. One of the sectors that you mentioned that we've talked about a lot on these podcasts is the office sector because you know everybody knows what's happened to office in the pandemic. We're in the middle of return to office, and but you've still got occupancy levels that I think are well below pre-pandemic levels. Office is a major contributor to CMBS collateral. So say a bit more about the team's views on the office sector and deals that would have a meaningful exposure to the office sector. Well, Steve, I'll start by telling you I'm posting this call with you today from our office in New York City at 505th Avenue. But certainly, look, the future of the office is it's a highly debated topic. And the idea is that the full ramifications of the workplace shift have not yet been felt. Our belief is that the office is still going to serve a meaningful purpose for companies. Even if employees are going to the office less frequently, say it's three or four days a week, the office is going to continue to serve as a place of collaboration, of workforce synergies. And I think that's especially important for training younger employees and building a culture. Now, having said that, we do believe COVID will create a greater bifurcation within office space. The flight to quality has been a distinguishing feature across office markets in the United States. And the office now more than ever needs to be a destination, a place workers want to go or are willing to go. So no different than the bifurcation we've seen within retail over the last, call it 10 years, it's going to be more important than ever to differentiate between class A properties and commodity, class B, class C space, which faces far higher risks. So what are we looking for exactly? It's offices with highly amenitized space with LEED certifications, and with good sub-market locations within their respective markets. And market data has shown us so far that these properties are still on high demand. Just as an example, CBRE did a study in San Francisco. That's an office market where the overall market vacancy is in excess of 20%. But when you look at the top 20% of high-quality buildings, that vacancy figures closer to 5%. And there's a very similar experience in Atlanta in Manhattan, where market vacancies are near or in excess of 20%. But the owners of high quality properties, like some of the large publicly traded office REITs, their portfolio vacancies are in the mid single digits. To wrap up on this, I think as an analyst in the space, you have to like the opportunities that come from such uncertainty, the, the gray areas that are created. You know, For years, that conversation has been oriented around retail, namely malls. And we've been able to strategically take on some positions levered to more cuspy B-mall properties, trading at significant discount to market levels where we had a contrarian view on the asset. And now having that similar potential opportunity within the office sector, it's exciting. So that's something we'll certainly be keeping an eye on. 
Well, it's going to be very interesting to watch. And I, I think you're definitely right. You have to get beyond the broad sector and get into the subsectors and the quality sectors to really, as you're analyzing these securities and what the opportunities are. So I'd like to end with a question unrelated to the topic at hand, but more of a personal question. So we're all kind of emerging from this pandemic and you know the world's reopening. So what's been your favorite reopening activity in this new emerging post-COVID environment? You know, I would definitely say the return of live sports. Uh, definitely the ability to go to a game and to be in a packed stadium. You know, it was just it was last October that I went back up to Worcester, Massachusetts to watch a Holy Cross football program play uh, Colgate. I mean, it was the first football game I'd been to uh, after the pandemic. And they actually played it in, they have a brand new stadium there, the Red Sox AAA affiliate, which recently moved to the city. I mean, that was a little spoiled by COVID. And it was this moment where everyone got together for this game. They sold out the stadium. It was an incredible environment. And I remember being there that night, thinking to myself, wow, I mean, what a great time to be back here watching my alma mater play. Of course, it helped Holy Cross win the game. So that was also, that was a bonus. Definitely. That's my favorite activity so far. Well, I, I'm in agreement with you tonight. I'm Actually, myself headed to the Red Sox game at Fenway versus the Blue Jays. So it is great to be back in these venues with the stadiums full. So, well, listen, thank you very much for that. Uh, really enlightening on a big, as I mentioned, big sector of the fixed income markets and a sector that's worked well for us and for our clients over the years. So it's a sector that we like to delve into. And thanks, everybody, for uh, listening into this episode of 3 and 5. Thank you, Steve. <laughs>